Hi, I'm Frances Katzen and welcome to my podcast, The World of Real Estate. In this series, we will explore the world's largest asset class and how it plays out on a global scale. This is my first time doing a podcast and I have a cold, how lucky are we? But I felt it was a great forum to actually be able to demystify the beliefs and answer any questions. And that's my guest pouring water. Taking a leak. No, we like that, keep it going. To answer any questions and establish a peeing contest, I mean a baseline of understanding towards what we do as brokers. I think a lot of people think that since it's not hard to become a broker and getting into brokerage does not really have a high bar to say the least, that there's a lot of inaccuracy that ensues from the profession. As such, I thought it was relevant to discuss what goes on behind the scenes. One of the processes that I believe are pivotal to ensure a seamless outcome during a real estate transaction is utilizing a real estate attorney, a good one. And there hasn't been a lot of symbiotic love between the two because, let's face it, brokers get paid a lot more and the attorney has to go to law school. If I was an attorney, I'd be pissed off too that a broker backed their way into a substantial commission and he's taking a photo. But sometimes you find a good match where the broker and the attorney are on the same page. Maybe. They work and think on the same plane, sometimes, and everything is very symbiotic. You know, and I'd like to introduce Stephen Matz of Cats and Matz. Can you tell us a little bit about who you are? Who I am. Oh. Who's this mysterious person before you? Who am you? I? Yeah. Uh, I am one of the senior and founding partners of a firm called Cats and Matz, PC. It rhymes like a Dr. Seuss rhyme. <laughs> um, my partner, Bruce Katz, is also my life partner spouse. Um, we have two da- wonderful daughters who are 27 and 21, wow. which is impossible because I'm only 39. <laughs> 21, um, actually. Right, right exactly. exactly. Um, we started our firm. It was it was Bruce and, and me and one desk. And uh, you work hard. And here we are with about 20, 22 people. Wow. Um, and, uh, you know, so um, in addition to just representing clients and working so closely with all of our brokers, I think that educating people is so important. I often will teach a continuing education for the uh, New York City Bar, among other things. Wow. And um, I think that it is so important that I, not only the lawyers who I, I will I will instruct, but also we will also go and talk to brokers, particularly even new brokers. Uh, everybody's got to start somewhere, right? Yeah. And if I'm teaching in front of a, a room full of seasoned brokers, I'm talking about way different subjects than when I'm talking about uh, to, a, to a room full of, uh, of beginners, you yeah. know. But you got to start somewhere. And I think that educating people, whether it's a lawyer through the bar or it's a broker at someone's office or through a continuing uh, broker education, that's so critical. This yeah. is, a, this is a, a very tough place to do real estate. Um, the law is ever changing. The dynamics are different. Obviously, the psychology of, of being in New York City uh, and the difficulty and the numbers that we deal with is tough. So, you know, really educating something is it's a component of my job that I take seriously and that I actually really love. Um, how do you find your duties shift when working with sellers versus buyers? I mean, they're both very different kinds of transactions. Um, with a buyer, my duties are first and foremost, the due diligence, making sure that somebody knows that they're, or attempts to know that they're getting into a good investment, that there are no surprises. When you're representing a seller, the duties are a little different. I need to make sure that the seller is getting the deal that they signed up for. And 
only giving the representations that we know we can make. In New York, we are something of a buyer beware state. We do not disclose as in other states. I'm in what way? Like a stigmatized well, property? Yeah. I mean, if you if you are selling an apartment in New York City and you've had a leak, we don't have to say that we've had a leak unless the other attorney asks specifically, have you had a leak? Wow, there must be a lot of wordsmithing going on at that contract table. You know, and that's why, <laughs> you know, seriously, that's why it's good to have a real estate attorney. It's good to have a New York City-based real estate attorney. Because they know the nuances, You right? know what you're going to ask mm-hmm. for, and you know mm-hmm. how you're going to get it. And frankly, with a seller, if somebody's had a leak, and honestly, we are in a vertical city, we have gravity, I don't know anyone that has not had a leak, <laughs> you know, Yes, there was a minor leak from the apartment above. It came into the ceiling of the master bathroom. However, the co-op immediately addressed it, and there have been no further occurrences. That's not going to derail a deal. Really? Because if, yeah, I mean, I, mean, I think if people you, are really frightened of the word leak. Leak, they, they are. And, and say, look, yeah, it was a leak. It's New York City. If you're new to New York City, I think it's a little more shocking. If you're new to New York City and you've just been in pastoral California your whole life and you see a roach, you're going to freak out. If you're a New Yorker, you're like, whatever, that's lunch, you know. So so it is really a different mindset. And I think using a New York City-based attorney... Is pivotal, right? It's pivotal in, 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 in ensuring that if you have no idea what's going on in this market, and it is a crazy market, and it is a crazy city for real estate law, that you can become more comfortable. So you shouldn't use aunt giving you $12 an hour? Uh, no, or Uncle Joe in, in, in Pennsylvania because he's free. Gotcha. You know, yeah. Good to know. Make a note. Check. Yeah. What is or are the most common misconceptions you hear from buyers and sellers? Sellers think that their apartment is worth $9 million and it's really <laughs> worth, you know, 6.1. Got it. Okay. Uh, in this market. Mm-hmm. Buyers think that they are going to move into an apartment unless it's brand new construction they're going to move into an apartment that is pristine and free from any uh, uh, abnormalities mm-hmm. and expect a seller to address these things I mean I, I, I you probably are familiar with other other states I'm familiar with work in California and in Florida you move into an apartment it's beautiful it's clean you know it it's a different standard here so I think if you are either a first-time buyer here in New York or you're not from New York, you might have some expectations that aren't going to be realized. So what you're basically saying is give up the wish that you're going to have a perfect apartment upon buy-in, that most of them are going to have a wear and tear. 100%. And that in other states, they actually require you to be much more buttoned up on the on the product delivered at time of closing. Product delivered and disclosure. Got it. And disclosure. Isn't that scary? Let me hmm. just let me add something. Yeah. This, this is kind of incredible. If you're buying a townhouse, you know, single family or two family home or a house in the Hamptons or in the suburbs or whatnot, there's a law throughout New York State that says if you are the seller, you have a choice. You can provide a five or six single spaced typewritten page of a property disclosure of everything that's ever happened to that house, every piece of maintenance, every, every uh, component of maintenance that's ever been done, or you can give the buyer $500. Stop. $500. Stop. I have never had a client ever say, sure, I, I don't, I'm going to keep my 500 Here's my disclosure. <laughs> because you are setting yourself up as a seller for, for almost even litigation. Sure. Here's 500 bucks. Goodbye. That's insane. Mm-hmm. That's that that's gives you maybe an example of what a a quote buyer beware state we really are, which going back to your first question about the difference in purchasers, that's why due diligence is so important.
Now, do you think that there are some attorneys that don't do the same amount of due diligence, or that do, is it just a standard basic? You know, That's it's the it, difference it, between good and bad. Well, I, I mean, there really is. I mean, are there? There are. There are. There are good brokers and there are bad brokers. The bad brokers. Look, isn't it a beautiful view? <laughs> throw, out, throw out an offer. Goodbye. See you at the closing. Oh, right? by the way, there's a 34-story building going up in three years, but pfft, I don't Who think cares? it's going to happen. <laughs> a good broker, and you mentioned this right off the bat to be symbiotic, a good broker is on the same team with their lawyer. It is critical. Um, I think that what happens with a lot of... <laughs> Some people who are in this field in the legal profession, some lawyers, kind of marginalize the broker. Uh, they're just the broker. They're just the broker. You yeah. know, that I cannot do my job without my broker. A good broker. A shit. A, a crappy broker. <laughs> Can I say shitty? Yes, you yeah, just yeah. we do it. Okay. Yeah. I mean, a, a shitty broker? No. It's, and there's shitty lawyers. What constitutes shitty? People that are lazy. People that are inaccurate. People that uninvolved. Don't... Uninvolved. Uninvolved. Interesting. Uninvolved. I need to know. We lawyers, for example, in a co-op or a condo, when there's a board, a co-op or condo board that has to review an application, we lawyers are pretty much uninvolved. I, I don't care what somebody makes. That's that's your job to vet somebody appropriately. But I do have to know where the where we are in the process. Is is the management company for that particular building missing something? Is there something that I need to draft that will uh, will push that process along? Just yesterday, a, a a a very expensive uh, condo uh, that our one of our clients is buying, and in the board package they need a letter attesting to A, B, and C, and D about the LLC that they're buying in the mm -hmm. name of. Mm -hmm. There wasn't anybody to do it. Of course, I'm going to write the letters and the affidavits for them, but I need to know where they are in the process. So that's why, I mean, a good lawyer and a good broker are know really going to speak. And it sounds mm -hmm. corny, and I'm about as far from corny as you get, if you know me, but it's, 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 you know, it's a team. Yeah. It's a team. Yeah. A good, a good mortgage professional. Yeah. Everyone should have in their arsenal a good mortgage professional, a good lawyer, a good broker. And a good contractor. And a good contractor and a good architect. Yep. And a good cleaning service, yes. believe it or not. <laughs> totally. And, I mean, and, 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 and a good window washer. 100%. Because if you're, and, and a good stager. You know, these are things that you just, you form a team, and that's the key to success in this industry, particularly 100%. in this city. 100%. What should buyers and sellers know or ask when selecting a real estate attorney? Because that's also the big issue. Most people go, how much are they? Yeah, first thing they ask. <laughs> how much? Yes, Negotiable? It's, it's, you know, we, we, we in my profession <laughs> laugh that someone's buying a $12 million apartment, but that extra $500 really makes a difference. <laughs> that $500 is a bottle so of wine true. to that person. So true. Right, you know, you know, look. But did uh, they really get rich being, being frivolous or being really well, cheap? I don't think $500. <laughs> If you have $10 million to buy an apartment, you don't really give a shit about the $500. True. It's principle. It's principle it's and ego. Totally. But, but you know, what was your question again? My question was, what should buyers or sellers know? Honey, I get right, you. Okay. I'm with you. Yeah. Ask when selecting a yeah, real estate right. attorney. What should they be asking? Are you going to protect... If you were telling your daughter yeah, to find yeah. someone and make, you weren't... Make sure they fully investigate the property that I'm going to be buying. But how make does sure that... Mm. Well, it's a very here's vague. why. Here's why. I think that, for example, in our firm, we take the initiative. Somebody will call and say, I was given your name by such and such, and, yang, 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 and what do you charge? <laughs> right. Now, I don't go right for the what do you charge. I say, oh, thank you so much for calling. Let me explain to you the process and what our services are and then our fee structure. Perfect. Because people don't know the right questions to ask. That's exactly so right. So what I will do is explain what we're going to do to protect their interests, if you're a seller, what I'm going to have in that contract that is going to, A, solidify the deal and make it close, but B, 
protect you from not having to say things that could possibly tank the deal or pose obstacles to a smooth closing. And if you're a buyer, I'm going to explain exactly what the due diligence entails and the fact that we're going to add additional protections in the contract to to enhance enhance the protections for you as a buyer. One of the things that I loved working with you uh, and have been for so long is that it's symbiotic. It's sort of like, yeah, it's like giving someone a ball and they dump it through the hoop. It's like I've, I've created this momentum. Um, you know, we've, we're bidding against other people or the guy's got to form an LLC, but he's flying back to Brazil or right. they're getting a divorce and it's messy. And the way you create communication is so well done in that you provide a full digest. So there can be no ambiguity about what was discussed on the call. You basically take the lead in. And because you know so many people, you're able to get information and writers through that most other attorneys would not be able to get because of the relationship and the trust you have created with the competing broker, I mean, the competing attorney or the managing agent or the history of the property manager. And I think that's also very much a nuanced thing. Well, I mean, thank you for that. that, That's very complimentary. I truly, personally, look upon every deal as if it's my apartment. Which is why really I have an ulcer, and I mean this is stressful stuff, you know. But it really, but you, is. Re- you have to if you're going to really advocate for somebody in this in this industry, you have to feel like I am buying this apartment price. What do I want to know, and what would I want to be told? Mm-hmm. And for that reason, you mentioned these digests and what I put in writing. It is really important to have something in black and white for people to see because they don't to always be, remember I was, what you well, say. I was going to say, and and and. A lot of people, everybody, including the two of us, will have selective hearing sometimes. <laughs> and we remember what we want to remember. I'm like, you didn't tell me that. Right, right. You're like, yeah, yeah you I did that did. to me this morning. Anyway, <laughs> but, but in all honesty, that's why we do these things. If you're buying into a new construction or a new, uh, a new project, a renovation or, uh, you know, a rehabbed or, or a new project, there is a five, six, seven, eight, nine hundred page document. And I really do read them. People will say, oh, do you read them? I do. I do. My line actually is my hand touches every page. Okay. Is a lot of the stuff boilerplate? Sure. Is a lot of it, I know exactly what's going to come next. Sure. But there have been too many times where a developer has buried something in that offering plan that I have to make sure I don't miss. So I really do look at each page. But these digests, it's, it's, I, I would want a lawyer, if I was buying something, to give me a written document that says, you know what? My taxes are right now X. But they're probably going to be why, mm-hmm. you know, um, uh, you know, the, the sponsor is not going to give me any warranties, but I am going to have the opportunity to walk through the apartment before I close and point out anything that doesn't work. Mm-hmm. Things of that nature. Mm-hmm. You just got to be clear. These are huge transactions for the person buying a seven hundred thousand dollar co-op. That's the most money they ever have. Yep. The person buying the $20 million apartment, it's just as large a transaction. It's a, it's a, it's a lot of money. It is. And you deserve to know. You, I really believe this. You really deserve to know or have as much what information as you can. What it is and what it you isn't. Can. 100%. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well answered. How does city, state, and federal policy impact your role in a transaction, if at all? I'm going to cough now. Hold on. <laughs> uh, uh, the joy of a cold. Right. Um, you know, it, it, it's, it's interesting. Um, and it, it sort of leads into your, I, I think we talked earlier about you wanted to talk a little bit about, about legislation and how yeah. that impacts things. 
I mean, well, July first was a shitstorm. What's that? July first was a shitstorm. Oh, that was fun. Yeah. Oh, uh, we'll get to that in a sec. I, yeah. You know, I look. We all operate within the constraints of regulations and 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 those that set the rules. You have your revenue constraints. You have your state licensing constraints. I have the New York bar, and I also have tax laws. Uh, municipal laws, Department of Building Code. There's a lot of layers here. So there are, there is no deal buyer or in buying or selling where the law, quote unquote, does not come into play and somewhat steer how the transaction has to be. Um, I think that what happens, and, and, and if we have any listeners that are upstate, we probably, <laughs> probably don't, but if we have any <laughs> listeners... Hey, right, we're getting there, we're please, getting there. North of the Bronx is upstate. <laughs> but if you, have, if, you have any, if you have any people upstate, <clears throat> this is in no way disparaging, but what happens in Albany, and this, happened, this happens over and over and over again, it happened with, and I'll get to that in a minute, but people, they will create laws, but they will not take into account how that impacts and the differences between upstate and we call this downstate. You can make Good a law that will impact Schenectady, it ain't impacting Manhattan. It just is mansion tax. Let me take that up for a minute. Jesus. You know, mansion tax for years, decades, has been 1%. 1% on the, the amount, sale price. on the sale price of any property, co-op, condo, or townhouse, single, single family home, whatever mm-hmm. it may be, anything over a million dollars. Now. Again, poor Schenectady. Million dollars is a mansion in Schenectady. Yeah. Million dollars here is possibly a one bedroom that needs if work. If you're lucky. Right, yeah. right, right, right. So th- we get that. We get that. And it's a cash cow for upstate. The law is never going to change. And in fact, what they just did recently, and that's why you mentioned the shitstorm in July, effective July 1, which they implemented April 1st, right? No, no time to prepare. The, the mansion tax just for New York City has gone up exponentially. It now, depending on the uh, price Sell of the, price, yeah, it's high as three and a half percent. Uh, like three, eight, nine, five, it, almost four percent. Yeah, it's, it's almost four percent. Now, again, that's for something 20 million and up or something. And Can you imagine paying nine million dollars? You know, <laughs> if, I have, if I have 20 million dollars in my apartment, you like know. Like Ken Griffin, right, you know, right, it's, 220 you know, million. That's dinner. But, you know, yeah. but, but, but seriously, that I'll was enacted and not taking into account what how that's going to impact us. Another thing, and I know I'm leading into something else here, but another thing, the rent laws. Yeah. The rental laws just changed, and they changed almost overnight. Yes, um, and they're a, still a, playing catch-up. It's, it's statewide. You cannot ask for more than one month of a security deposit. I got a call yesterday from a broker that's asking me to assist in dra- drafting a lease. The rent is $85,000 a month. There's an extensive art collection. In If you're upstate, you're, you, just, you just passed out. But if you, you know, Don't. Come right, back to us. Right. You know, if you have an extensive art collection and antiques and da-da-da-da-da, whatever it may be, you want more than one month's rent. Yes, that's an exorbitant amount of money. You need security. You need security. You cannot do a pet deposit. If, you've got- if you are a foreign national which is fine and we look Manhattan is the melting pot and we have people from all over the world coming here that With need no a place to live history. right people will say i want 6 months up front i want mm-hmm. a year up front you can no longer do that yes you know it's really terrible impacted new york city to a way that it is not going to impact upstate so i mean we're still playing catch up on that i yeah. mean let's talk about that we we're still figuring out can you uh, do an increased amount on the rent to factor in yeah. the built-in six months up front. Yeah. I mean, you know that's what? wrong. Uh, to be honest, and I, I speak for myself and many of my, my very good colleagues, none of us are exactly sure how this is going to pan out. 
Yeah. The law was, you know, the law says you can only take one month security deposit, but they didn't take into account these nuances that we have to deal with. I mean, you're right. It is. It's a work in progress. Here's a here's a question that I'm not sure I know the answer to. You have you got somebody's three months of security deposit, right? You've they've been renting you from you for five years. This law comes into play. Do I have, now have to refund two months of that three month deposit I'm holding? The law doesn't speak to it. Wow. It's it's not addressed. Wow. So it's it's sort of this nebulous up yes. in the air kind of thing. We don't know how to really answer that question. There's a yet. lot of that yeah, too. There's a lot of it. I mean, you know, LLC. We we. So what was the whole point of this legislation? Originally, I think it was the rent stabilization. It, 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 it was. It's it's to destabilize have, it, to protect it. What was the whole point right, of I, it? You know, I think it was more tenant protection. We here, at least in New York City, we are known as a very tenant-friendly place. Yes, we are. Um, one of the reasons, if somebody, I, I don't want to jump ahead, but if if you know, oftentimes somebody is selling their apartment, but they need to stay in the apartment before, after they've closed, before they actually move out, mm -hmm. right? A holdover agreement, as you will, right? We are very careful to say, um, this, is no, this is in no way a landlord-tenant relationship. The fee that you pay, uh, if you're holding over, it's, we don't call it rent. We're very careful to say that that is not a tenant in the apartment that you just bought meaning, i.e., the seller, because this is such a tenant-friendly place. I think that these new rent laws are an extension of let's the big, bad, greedy landlords. And, of course, there are some, but it, it's not everybody. Right? I know. There are very well-intentioned people that, for whatever reason, are, are, renting, <coughs> their pro are renting their properties out for, for need or for want or whatever it may be and are now beaten down even, even, even further more. and at the mercy of tenants that are coming into their homes yeah. and aren't given a hell of a lot of protection. I know. And on that point, I would like to thank you so much for joining me today. My first podcast, and yeah. I get to share it with you. I well, thank you. I am, I am thrilled to be here. I really am. And I, I don't say that to everybody, but I, I <laughs> really sure am. the dartboard can come down now no. behind your office desk? No. Come on. <laughs> I took that down about a year ago. Thanks. It's fine. I've earned yeah. it. <laughs> thank, you. Thank, thank you. Thank you. Thanks, guys. Thank you for tuning in to the world of real estate. Please be sure to hit the subscribe button to stay up to date with my latest episodes.